Hello. First off, don't even give me shit about playing a minute and 30 seconds of that song because that song fucking kicks ass. Fucking Lost Boys, dude. Love the music in this movie. This movie probably has arguably the best soundtrack with only contenders of Repo Man and Dune. Up, oh, drink, said Dune. So, anyway, um, I couldn't wait. So I'm doing a making of The Lost Boys. We'll do a review later, but I have so many notes on this, and I've been, since episode one, I've been waiting. So this is over a month in advance. Oh, speaking of uh, a month and in advance, if you want access to every episode of Knife Party early and often, because I put them up as soon as I record them, Patreon.com slash KnifePartyPod. Now, if you hate my toxin, toxic masculinity because I like boobies and blood, uh, you could contact me with your hate mail at KnifePartyPod at Yahoo.com because I keep it old school. And if you just have a friend who's on iOS and doesn't have a dollar to spend and doesn't like Spotify, tell them to go to KnifePartyPod.Podbean.com. And you can find me on all my socials at Zach Evergreen. That's a lot. I'm, of course, your host, Zach Evergreen, by the way. So let's talk about the making of Lost Boys. Um, this movie, <laughs> and I've said this a million times, almost didn't get made. Uh, the script was written, and it was sold for uh, $40,000, or for, sorry, $400,000, because this had a lot of bidders on it at first. It was not going to be a vampire movie whatsoever. It was going to be a modern day Peter Pan movie so if Peter Pan was going to take place in the 1980s uh, that's what this movie was supposed to be where a family moves in and they get whisked away by Peter Pan and they go to like a, a fantasy land where they live forever and it's going to be a conflict of where they want to stay or where they want to go and it was kind of like a Peter Pan part 2 but for you know today's standards and um, that idea actually became the movie hook by steven spielberg which by the way is his number one like hated movie if it was anybody else it would have destroyed him kind of like how joe schumacher did batman and robin with uh, arnold remember that freeze was that batman forever the one with george clooney where he has the bat card you know what killed the dinosaurs the ice age you have extremely cold heart it's like someone opened up a book of dad jokes and just, okay, if dad jokes and Mega Man, the game, made themselves into one thing, you would look up like Ice Penguins, dad jokes, and it, 
Every goddamn thing is an ice pun. It's terrible. Um, fucking hate that move. Joe Schulmacher almost destroyed Batman. No, he did. Uh, that's why it took so long for them to make another one. And then we got these, you know, other Batman. Fa- oh, we're not talking about Batman. We're, talk- we're talking about Lost Boys. Cool. So, yeah, it originally became Hook. And um, then uh, the script kind of got bounced around a little bit where they're like, you know what? Let's tweak this. So it's not like Never Never Land. What about if it's Goonies meets Vampires? You know, not a sequel to Goonies, but something similar. Because Goonies had was such a, like, I may even say at the time, a cult phenomenon. I don't think it did great in theaters, but it did fucking terrific on VHS and everything else. Um, later on in life, I'd, I don't think VHS was readily available. I know renters were, but you couldn't, uh, you couldn't just go to your blockbuster and buy a rented movie at the time. Video cassette tapes, for those who don't remember, were north of $50. Like for your average today PS5 game or, or Xbox whatever or whatever, they're like 60 bucks. That's how much a movie videotape cost, a VHS tape cost. Because how they would do it is you would actually buy it from the studio from for whatever retail renter you were. If you're a mom and pop place, you're paying 80 bucks. And then you'd rent them out. You rent them from like you know three bucks or whatever. You got to remember to be kind and rewind. And uh, if you remember that, I need to make a fucking knife party, be kind, rewind shirt. That would be dope. Oh, God. Hopefully I'll remember this. Well, I'm not drunk or high, so maybe I should. I'm getting there, though, at least trying. But it doesn't work when it's this cold. You just get warmer. You're like, why am I sober? Oh, it's freezing. And of course, I'm drinking red wine to get into character. Um, so yeah, uh, you would have to rent these movies and they'd be like, you know, usually three for five or whatever, which, which at the time was a lot of money. We're talking like late eighties, early nineties, but those tapes are super expensive. Not till the first Batman, did they make enough to distribute to stores to buy? And I think that first Batman was something like $30. That was the Tim Burton one. But before that, mm-mm, couldn't buy them, had to rent them. Oh, and guess what? If you failed to return it, they would hit you with like a eighty to hundred dollar charge, on top of you know because basically you rented it and just didn't take. Oh shit! I said basically. Maybe I'm just trying to get warm. So yeah, um, I don't know why I went on a tangent about renting movies, but there. Oh, you know what? Maybe why? Because um, the main bad guy owns a video rental store. See what I did there? I turned chicken shit into chicken salad. That's how I roll. So um. Joel Schumacher was reading the script, and then when the train scene happened, he was sold. He goes, oh, I could do something with this, but I need to turn them. I don't want to see 13-year-olds and 11-year-olds flying around, you know, attacking people and have a squad of little kids save everybody, which kind of still happened because the squad of little kids, they just got bumped up a few years, and that was Edgar Allan Frog and uh, and also Corey Haim. So... This is actually the birth of the two Corys. We'll get into that later. So they kind of were the same age. They were definitely Goonies ripoffs. Um, but uh, Joel Schumacher made them both watch tons, and I mean tons, of action flicks, including First Blood, Rambo, and Rambo, I think, 2? Um, no, Rambo 1 is called, wait, First Blood is the first one, and then Rambo is just called Rambo, right? Or is it called Rambo 2? 
I think it's just called Rambo. And then Rambo 3 is called Rambo. First Blood, Rambo, Rambo 3. I think th- I think that's how it goes. So uh, that's even why Corey Feldman wears the uh, red uh, bandana and the camouflage and all that stuff. So uh, they were, that was the Goonies kind of like influence washover. But uh, Schumacher wanted something totally different, right? So Thomas Newman did all all the score of this movie, which is fantastic, which I've already mentioned. And all the songs were actually covers. And the whole look and theme is actually based off Jim Morrison and The Doors. If you look at uh, Jason Patrick, he looks like Jim Morrison. That's one of the reasons why he was chosen for this. And they go, hey, you know, he looks just like him. You know, he's a... and. He looks super old in this movie. Turns out he was only 19 years old, which is pretty crazy. I don't know if makeup was that. They even mentioned like, oh, this is going to change when school starts. And you're like, that guy's 25. No, he was like 19. He was actually appropriately aged. In fact, so was David. David uh, Kiefer Sutherland, if I'm not mistaken, was either 18 or 19 too. I think he was 18. And he looks old as shit. Maybe it's because his white hair dye makes him look like wise and young because his skin looks perfect. But, you know, that could be. And also he's got a deep gravelly voice, but he's always had that. And uh, like even his stand by me, I think he was like 16. And fucker is just a big looking guy. You know, maybe it's the way they filmed it. Maybe it's because every all those early movies, he's always with, you know, kids younger his age. So it makes him look bigger. And, um, you know, in, in contrast, I'm not sure. But uh Great casting, by the way. Great music. Um, I wrote down here a note, Star Wars in Seinfeld. I have no idea what that means, but fuck Star Wars. And Seinfeld's awesome. So, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, um, that he was based off Jim Morrison, that being Jason Patrick, Michael's character. But uh, (laughs) Kiefer Sutherland was based off Peter Pan. So Kiefer Sutherland's character is the leader of the Lost Boys, He's, and they all listen to him like uh, unconditionally. He is the Roman Reigns of this group, and he need whisper, and he gets what he wants, right? Um, in fact, most of the Lost Boys do zero talking, with the exception of a line here and there. I think the person that has the most lines is Twisted Sister and Marco, and that's about it. The other ones are pretty silent, including Laddie. Star has a couple of lines, but I don't really don't consider one of them, seeing how she doesn't she's kind of like a mistake in David's eyes, I think, or a lure. Not a lore, a lure. Just wanted to make sure that you guys got that. So uh Kiefer Sutherland didn't want to be in a teen romp film. He wanted to be in more serious things. But then when he heard the soundtrack and NXS was on there, who he was a huge fan of, apparently. That was like his favorite band. And they heard that they were going to write an original tune for this. He was like, oh, fuck yes. I am down. Sign me the fuck up. If NXS are in, I'm in. Right? So that's cool. I mean, if it was any other character, or sorry, any other person playing David, I don't think this movie would have worked. I mean, yeah, the colors are great. The filming's great. The music music's great. But... To have a teenage vampire that's actually, I'm not going to say, yeah, he's like legit scary. Like, you know, uh, you know, as a 39-year-old man, if I was walking in an alley and I saw that dude and he's like, Michael, Michael, I'd be like, you know what? 
I'm going to go back to the bar and piss inside and not outside where this creepy fucker is. So, yeah, great that he had him. The other thing that's kind of cool is that he uh, apologized, he being Keith Sutherland, inventing the mullet because, um, well, Billy Idol is on top of the world, right? And Joel Schumacher wanted a way that he could stand out from, from the other crew. So he chose all their outfits individually to make them unique. For instance, Marco was supposed to be the Michelangelo, the party dude. So he's got a lot of colors on. He's got a lot of, you know, Victorian images, but it's sewn on a leather jacket. David's got a more classic, you don't, it could be a Dracula look, could be a punker look, you don't know. He's got a peacoat, but underneath he's got a leather jacket, but only one side pops out. He's wearing gloves all the time. More on that later. Um, and he wanted, uh, he being Joe Schumacher, wanted Kiefer Sutherland to have long hair, but he wanted to stand out and said, fuck that. So he cut all of his hair off. And, oh, and uh, Joe Schumacher wanted to dye it like white blonde to be like Billy Idol. Or, sorry, other way around. Um, Keither Sutherland wanted to look like Billy Idol, so he dyed all his hair white and cut it short. But he kept it long in the back just to be like, see, I told you I keep it long. But I think this, uh, this look looks so good on him. And, again... If he were just to have like a just a gothed out black hair look, it wouldn't be as good. Like the white the white mullet looks so fucking cool on him and makes him stand out. And there's a couple of scenes where they're at the Vampire Hotel, which is also called the Valencia Hotel in real life, uh, that they shine a light just on him to make him look godly. And it and just his pale skin and his white hair make him really shine and pop. Why he's reaching over the bottle of wine to Michael, who's in the dark, you know, and it really makes him seem angelic, and it's a really cool effect. I don't know if any of you noticed that, but rewatch it. They always have David lit differently on purpose to make you know that he's the leader, even if it's subliminally, which is really cool. I love it when, uh, too bad Showmarker sucked after this movie. This is like one and done. It's like, you know, everyone has their, this is why I quit music. I got nothing left. <laughs> I could talk on the microphone like a jackass about other people's great work, but I think I'm tapped out of talent when it comes to uh, at least making music. I don't know. Maybe I'll have a career in porn soon. Um, let's see. So this had a budget initially when it was like the hook movie of $20 million, but then it got cut to 8.5 due to the lack of actors. And, um, oh, I know why I wrote down the Star Wars in Seinfeld. Um, the lack of actors, here's why. Uh, none of the actors were known. Keith Sutherland was barely known. Uh, the dude that plays Max, and I forget his name, and I don't think I have it written down right here, and I apologize. But he's the guy in Gilmore Girls. He's the dad, and he's terrific. But he was a thespian actor. Uh, but everyone else in here, as was the mom, um, Julie. Julie? Lucy. Her name's Lucy. I should have put that together because I just did the Dracula episode. And yeah, her name's Lucy probably for that same reason. Or she's like, you know, Dracula's main uh, love interest. Or not main, but but first. So, uh, yeah. Besides that, there's not very many people on here to note of. I mean, you have the the Corys, but they this is the first movie they're in together. So there was no license to drive. This is 
the fucking jump off point. This is what got them famous. Joel Schumacher was not a very huge director at this time. He was uh, still cutting his teeth, you know? Um, Grandpa was shitty. Everyone else was basically just in sitcoms and shit. Not a lot of people were in a lot of things. So that's why the budget got that got cut, which sucks. Um, so this is, takes place in Santa uh, Carla. Um, but uh, this is based off of the Santa Clara Beach Boardwalk, which is a place in California from where I live. Uh, it's about two, three-hour drive tops, probably two-hour drive. And it is a beach site amusement park that's been running for... I don't know, what, 60 plus years, maybe longer. It's very old school. They have all the old carnival rides, but it's there forever. It's right there on the beach, and they have bands, and they have, um, you know, like they have a mall boardwalk. It's it's actually really cool. I've only been there once in my life, which kind of is weird because I've watched this movie so many times. I guarantee if I were to drive there, i go, oh, I know exactly where we are. And, in fact, I I, uh, uh, I downloaded a map of when this was filmed in a current map, and they're almost the same. Like, it's very, very, very small differences, mainly with gates and security and shit. Because here you could probably just walk on the sand and get around the gates and get in, or just, I, and I think there's gates now. I, I don't think there was at the time. Um, yeah, because people would just, like, have fires on the beach and shit. And anyway, it's uh, old school carnival, you know, all the rides you would think of. And in the beginning with the People Are Strange um, song, you'll see this thing with a weird head on one of the um, ski lifts. And you're like, what the fuck is that? That's actually a marker they use. And it bothered Jonathan and I, Jonathan Fallen and I, for a long, long time. And I'm like, did you know that's a marker? They use that to take time to make sure that everything's running properly. Because if it's too slow or if it's too fast, they'll know by that marker guy. But it's this guy who looks like he's in a Fred Flintstone outfit and he's got giant glasses and he... He's got a giant jaw, and it just looks odd. If you see the movie, you will see it right away. And it's a very, very weird, you're like, what the fuck is it? But on VHS, on celluloid drink, you can't really tell what that is. You're like, what the fuck is that? That guy doesn't have a deformed head? No, he doesn't have a deformed head. Um, so they, uh, in the movie, when you see them arrive to the house, right, spray-painted on the back of a billboard, it says Santa Carla, you know, and then the back says murder capital of the world. That was actually a legit spray-painted thing on there. And here's why. There are three serial killers that got away with 25 deaths, and they were acting together, question mark, but you have Kemper, Mullen, and Frazier. So these were three serial killers uh, operating in that area at the same time. And per capita, this was the missing person capital of the world per capita. Even in the beginning when we see the credits, you just see missing persons shit everywhere. By the way, if I am going to go missing, please do not put my face on a mail carton. Put it on the back of a bottle of wine. I'll probably be found quicker with the people I know. That was a really shitty joke. If you have a missing kid, I'm sorry. It's never funny. Anyway, um, so uh, Valencia Hotel, um, the vampire hotel they talk about, that actually was in the earthquakes, um, and it really did get destroyed. 
fun fact though, it's not near San Francisco, Napa Valley, uh, Oakland, Sacramento. It's actually South California, next to Anaheim. That's where Disneyland is. L.A. and L.A. Did I mention L.A. is taco? They have good tacos in L.A. And uh, but the Valencia was outside of Santa Barbara, which, by the way, besides Napa Valley, is the most beautiful place in the earth, and they have a decent Pinot. But just like it is a fucking be- like that city you walk around and there's just a canopy of beautiful trees and that it's always 72 degrees and it's just it's just beautiful. So, yeah, uh, that's where the Valencia Hotel was. And it did get fucked up in the 1908 earthquake or 19. I don't know. The big one, uh, the San Andreas Fault one. Um I'm thinking on the Spanish flu is 1918. I, you know what? I wasn't alive back then. But, uh, ooh, fun fact about that. Um, David is supposed to be 300 years old, and in this movie, I mean, they never say it, but that's like, you know, the lore of it, if you read the comic books and such. There was supposed to be a prequel to Lost Boys that David signed off on, but the, the they didn't want to do it. And... Um, for whatever reason, I think because this movie didn't actually make money till later, like this was definitely one of, if not the first, like real cult. I don't mean cult like Plan Nine from Outer Space, where people love it because so good it's bad. This is one of those movies that just did not catch on until VHS, and then you know, goth kids playing Vampire Masquerade, or you know, you know girls at slumber parties that thought all the boys were dreamy were renting the shit out of this movie. I'm guilty of both. Wait, what? Yeah, I am guilty of both. I used to watch this movie at least three times a week, and that's before I even had it on DVD. I remember um, I just... I, I remember I would just be at my mom's or whatever, and they'd go rent a movie, and I'm like, she goes, you get to pick out three movies. I'm like, well, I guess I'll pick Lost Boys. And you would have thought, like, in the three years that that happened, she would have just wised up and just bought it, but she didn't. So it was one of the first movies they got on DVD, though, which is kind of cool. A little bit about me. Atlantis Fantasy World Comics. Uh, This is where um, you see, you know, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman finally meet up. That usually actually existed there. And all those vampire comics, he handles them, you know, he goes like, we're fighters for truth, justice, in the American way. All right. Those aren't real published comics, but the owners of that, which you see sleeping in the corner, actually are real comics and they're one-offs. I think they only made like one to five, you know, they call what you call test prints. They actually still have those and you could take a picture with them and the owners. Uh, I know my old guitar player, Chris Frazou, who was in uh, Vinod Dead Steps, and he was going to be in Heaven's Heels, and then he disappeared off the map. Um, hey, man, Frazou, you love horror movies. If you're hearing this, hit me up, dude. Shout out to Dead Steps. Satan's Daughter was a great song. Um, but he actually made a trek out there and, and took some pictures. It was pretty awesome. Um, it's not there anymore, but it does exist. It's just in town. It's not um, on the boardwalk anymore. Let's see, what else do I got? Oh, the Fan Expo. So um, there's a there's a really good uh, panel with uh, David and Michael, a.k.a. Sutherland and Patrick. And they're sitting there and they're talking about the making of the movie. And the reason why David wears gloves is he actually was wearing 
uh, or sorry, uh, in the movie, you see him wearing gloves all the time. But you're like, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of cool. But then you do catch, there's one scene where he's not wearing gloves. And you're like, wait, but you got to look for it. The reason why is because David was showing off. So Jason Patrick and the rest of the guys did not know how to motor- ride a motorcycle. Kiefer Sutherland did. In fact, he was quite proficient at it. So him and Jason were like talking about to these girls like, yeah, you know, we're filming a movie, this and that and the other. And and then uh, he gets on his bike, he being J- uh, Kiefer Sutherland, and just starts fucking tearing ass all over the place. He's like, girls want to ride, da-da-da. And he's showing up, girls want to ride. And he's uh, showing up, how far are you willing to go, Michael? And he falls and he fucks up his wrist. I think he sprains it or breaks it. I don't think he fractured it. So they actually had to wrap up and make a cast that looked like a glove on his left hand. But it, but it's a cast. It's a, a cast with leather over it. And then so he wears a real leather glove that was matching on his right hand. So that way you don't notice. Um, there's even some scenes where you see him walking and he will put his hand, but like when he's talking about when they first go to Valencia, the vampire hotel, you'll notice that you he's kind of got his one of his arms just kind of yeah he'll he'll favor one, and they film most of the movie through that. Uh, the one scene I'm talking about where he yeah it's because you know he had a broken wrist and they're like fuck it let's film the movie. I mean he's good. He says he's good. Let's do it. And this is back in the day before like OSHA had their especially California OSHA had their a thermometer up all of our sorry thermometer up all of our asses, and then. Uh, the scene where he has his gloves off is where the Frog Brothers and Sam attack the vampires at night, or sorry, during the day, while stealing Grandpa's car. And by the way, did you know there's a rule um, when you take the car without asking? Filled up full of gas. So uh, it's when David is grabbing at Sam to pull him inside while, while there's sunlight still protecting him, and they're at the very entrance. And then uh, David's hand gets burned, and, and he brings it in, and he goes, tonight. And you see a tear run down? That's a real tear. So those contacts were glass, and they were thick, and they were painted. And they had no business being in your eyeball. But yet there they were. So... Those those contacts were very, very heavy. They didn't have any give, and you could only have them in your eyeball for about, I don't know, I've heard like 5 to 15 minutes before you could like get real damage. They had to pull them out and clean them and put them back in. So that's why all the scenes when you see the Lost Boys being vampires is very few, far between, and when you see them, it's very rare. And again, I love this. I don't want to see the monster the whole time. I want it to be in my mind. I love that. I love seeing, you know, now I do love seeing slasher movies, but I know what I'm getting into. Sometimes if something's overly gratuitous, it's like, okay, well, like, what does that scene have to do with the movie? This is why the movie um, Dust Till Dawn always throws me. Because, yeah, it's gratuitous and all. It's, it's, it's two movies, and when the second part, it's like, I wasn't ready for that. I kind of like the first movie better. But uh, that doesn't matter. So yeah, that scene was absolutely not improv that he actually, and he's not, and he even said, I'm not that good of an, an actor. I couldn't just cry out of one lens. It, it just happened. Uh, but that's one of the scenes where he doesn't have his contact in. There's a great scene um, here with, uh, you see Julie 
and this is cut out. This is one of the deleted scenes. Uh, Julie, you know how Max gets the black uh, bat kite thrown at him, and you see all the motorcycle lights turn on, and they all surround Max, and you don't know what's happening? Um, Kind of like end of act one. That actually happened to Julie in one of the deleted scenes, and Max comes out to save her. I don't know why they cut this out, but yeah, they ride around her and she's all freaked out and Max comes out and goes, get away, you kids. You know, and they do. Um, That was cut out. Don't know why. There's also a whole character cut out of this and that's that African-American woman who's on the phone, or sorry, who's looking at Julie in two scenes. One of the scenes is when um, the Lost Boys come in to the video store and he goes, we only came here to watch one thing. And he goes, I told you boys not to come around here anymore. So the chick at the desk with the really pretty hair, that black chick, later on you see her looking at the camera at Julie. And and uh, I always thought, and Jonathan Fallen always thought that she was an extra trying to get screen time. No, it's because they just had a conversation before and they cut that whole shit part out. Uh, this had a tight, tight running time of, I think it's like 87 minutes or something like that. But they uh, they cut a lot of shit out of here. They had probably about, if you were to throw everything all together, they probably had a two hour and 15 minute movie. I agree that this movie should not be Lord of the Rings, but some things I could have chose to, you know, keep, for instance, if I was to delete anything, I would delete the whole Sam thing with the Rob Lowe poster with the taxidermy. That really doesn't need to be there. The whole garlic scene uh, where he's, oh, you smell like garlic. That whole scene could have been cut. Um, there's a lot of other scenes I think could have been cut. But uh, um, also too in that um, that scene in Vampire Hotel, uh, when they're going in, he goes like flies and bullets go like, or sorry, flies and vampires like bullets and guns. They actually had a fly wrangler. They had three thousand flies, and they had them all around. To make that seem look more gruesome. Uh, but guess what? Their cameras didn't have low light vision like today's do. So whenever a fly, they would be landing on the goddamn lights on the cameras. And so that fly wrangler, which I didn't know was a job, by the way. Um, yeah, that was a waste of money. And the flies all escaped. So there you go. <laughs> Secondly, that Rob Rowe scene, I forgot to mention. If you look in the hard right-hand center corner, you'll see Scuba Steve from the movie uh, Bad Bad Daddy or Big Daddy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I fucking love that, man. Uh, let's see. What else? Oh, yeah. There's a scene um, with a lion, right? Uh, it's, it's where Max goes, yo, boys, and my boys. And he looks over to the hard upper left and you'll see a taxidermy lion looking exactly in the same way that Max is. And it's like a really cool scene that I think a lot of people don't like. It's just like a shot that a lot of people don't notice. Um, Let's see. Okay, here goes some funsies. Ben Stiller was auditioned for either Michael or David. Ben Stiller. Let that sink in. You want to make matters worse? Jim fucking Carey. Yes, Jim Carey was going to play David. 
And then he was going to play Michael. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I think Jim Carrey's talent was great in The Living Color. And Ben Stiller was great in Zoolander. That's about it. I mean, you know, a broken clock is right once every day. So, well, that's if it's a military clock. If it's a standard clock, then twice a day. So, you know, one out of 12 times. Um, Yeah, and uh, now I didn't run out of things to talk about, but I wanted to talk about trailers. And this goes for everything, but this one really rings true, really rings true. And that's this. I'm going to play you the anniversary edition because they just had the 35th anniversary of Lost Boys. In fact, there's a thing on YouTube where they got all the whole cast and they put on the makeup and it looks really cool. Oh, the surviving members. Um, Ravenous died. Uh, the guy black hair. I think his name is Eduardo or something. He's got a weird name. Andre? It starts with an A. But he doesn't have... He has like a line in the movie. That's it. So I'm going to play you the new trailer. No, I'm not. I'm going to play you the old trailer first. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to play you the old trailer first, then I'm going to play you the new one. And I want you just to think about how times have changed from when this movie came out in the very late 80s to now. Even with trailers. And I want you to really think about how much the trailer gives away. All right, here we go. Trailer one, the old one. Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to discover its secret. Notice anything unusual? about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. So where are you? The flying nun? I'm your brother, Sammy. Help me! Stay back! Stay back! What's happening to me, Star? Get yourself a good, sharp stick. Drive it right through his heart. You're a vampire, Michael. My own brother, a damn blood-sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till Mom finds out, buddy. When a vampire buys it, it's never a pretty sight. Michael, they're coming! Oh, shit! Now let's talk about why that is a great trailer. It goes, Michael and Sam move into Santa Carla, and then boom, you just see, like, hear vampire shit and stuff and scenes going on, and you don't know what's going on. You know, if you watch it, you're like, oh, shit, I went six to midnight. I want to see this fucking movie. This movie looks dope. And that's what's great about, and I always complain about this, but it's true. Everyone wants to go see the new Avengers movie or the new Marvel universe or the new woke movie that whatever Key and Peele dude makes 
I'm going to make a movie called Nope. Are you going to see it? Nope. <laughs> I'm going to make a movie called Get Out. Guess what's happening if I'm in that movie theater? I'm getting out. That Those movies are fucking terrible. They fucking are terrible. They are terrible. But anyway, um, in the 80s, when you saw a trailer, you're like, okay, let's put it this way. You're in a movie theater right now. You're with your significant other, maybe your friends, and uh, a trailer comes on. You're like, oh, dude. And then your friend's a little louder than you. I know. Movie looks like it's shit. And you're like, dude, keep it down. Or you're like, dude, that movie looks really good. I kind of want to see it. And then your friend goes, no, no, you don't even say that. You go, I don't know. I kind of want to see that movie. And your friend goes, I don't know, man. Really? Because they spell out the fucking movie for you. Go watch any trailer after 2015. They basically show you... Oh, fuck, drink. God damn it. They sh- I'm not doing this purposefully, by the way. If I want to drink wine, I'll drink wine in my own time. Um, they show you the movie almost scene for scene um, in new movies. So you see act one and sometimes partially act two, and you get to decide if you want to watch the rest or not. So especially how long movies are now, you spend three minutes watching a trailer, and now I'm going to go see the movie. I'm going to invest another, what, what going see a movie right now? Let's just say, what, 13 bucks, see a movie? And popcorn, all that shit adds up. For two people, it's like 60 bucks, right? Um, I already saw in three minutes all the movie, so there is no suspense or foreplay. It's gone. It's It's done. It's, you know, I don't know what the end is, Let's put it this way. I, I always thought Venom was a cool comic book character. And then I wanted to see the movie when I saw the trailer. But then I realized I just saw the first act. And I rot- went on Rotten Tomatoes. Not that Rotten Tom- Tomatoes is the be-all, end-all of every movie. But, uh, you know, when it said it got a low score, I'm like, well, I already saw the first half. So I guess I can assume the rest sucks. Because they just showed us the good parts uh, of the first half. Um, But they didn't do that back then in the day. They showed the meat of the movie. When you see the trailer for Robocop or Predator or whatever, they give you a summarized version, but they leave out all the suspenseful shit. Especially like a trailer like Alien. You don't know what the hell's going on. Um, And same thing with Predator. You don't get to see the Alien the Predator in it. Same thing with Jaws. Like I, I don't think you see the shark once. But I don't think many people listening to this has actually seen the uh, trailer to Jaws. By the way, that's probably going to be my next solo episode uh, because I have so many guests booked and I, I'm, I'm, I can't wait. But that's one of those movies I could do by myself um, via memory. Um, so, yeah, look forward to that because I, I love that movie. So you're going to hear a lot of impressions, especially with Quint. Ew, like it does. Um, anyway, let's talk about the new trailer for this movie. So you just heard the old one. Now let me play you the new one. You'll never grow old, Michael. And you'll never die. Be one of us. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? It's a pretty cool place. You're a Martian. Or a vampire. 
Dad. You know where Hudson's Bluff is? I can't beat your bike. You just have to try and keep up. How far are you willing to go, Michael? Guess first. How are those maggots? Drink some of this, Michael. Don't. It's blood. Michael. 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 <laughs> now you know what we are. Now you know what you are. Help me! Stay back! Stay back! Help me! My little brother, a vampire. You wait till mom finds out, buddy. this <laughs> so we... all right never mind Ooh, you smell like garlic so you have to have those fucking drums those fucking drums that are dead which are not even in the fucking movie every fucking person that makes it it's probably only two companies i i, I would not even or it's maybe every company has their own trailer guys but they just do the same shit it just put in a bunch of drums put in some cool quotes from the movie show the whole first act cut up in two minutes or three minutes and that's exactly what that is you see that movie and then you watch the movie you're like this isn't that movie that looks like it's like the matrix excitement of constant vampire like combat or something it's not it's a slow burn it's good in fact, I mean, this has a low death count, and there's only like one real fight in this movie, like one on one, if you will. And it's not even that exciting, to be honest with you. A lot of these old movies don't really have conflict combat fights where it seems like every movie now does. Every person needs to walk out of a movie after 20. 2025, 2026, thinking they can do karate straight out of the movie. <laughs> I mean, really, think about it. Every movie has, well, I mean, I'm not talking about every, I'm talking about in the genre, we're talking about like horror, sci-fi, or action. Even action movies back then didn't have that. Like, at all. You you saw gunplay, but you didn't really see a one-on-one hand, hand fight. Like, that's... Why, when I was a kid, everyone loved like Bruce Lee or or Sonny Sheba or whatever, is, or Jackie Chan, is because you wanted to see a really cool back and forth fight, but you don't in this. Oh shit! I need to do old boy. Oh man, do I do a bummer? Do I bummer? Do I bummer? I bummer shit. Uh, but you didn't see that in this. I'm tired of these drums, dude. You don't need, ugh, and it's in every fucking trailer. I mean, why couldn't they just done a cleaned up version of the original? I don't know. Um, this is one of my main complaints about movies nowadays, and this is why I do this podcast, and I think that's why you're listening, because you agree with me. Now, I'm not the fucking messiah. I'm not the Siskel and Ebert and, you know, 
everything else, I don't even know why I mentioned them. They're idiots. They both gave um, Return of the Killer Tomatoes zero percent. They both like Terminator, though, so, you know, a little respect. And one of them's missing a jaw, and the other one's dead from pneumonia. Do the math. Um, yeah, so looking through, see if I have any notes, more notes. I went through a lot of stuff. Um, I guarantee I have more stuff to talk about, but when I do the actual episode, I'll do the rest. I just really want, I had to get Lost Boys something out of, out of my balls, because I... I've been sitting on this since episode one, and I released it. I didn't like it, and well, it's not that I didn't like it. I just think I could do it better. So here it is. This is just the making of. This is not the film. I'm going to do the film later, so if you see Lost Boys pop up, guess what? It's uh, actually the film review and not just the making of, but there is so much meat on the bone here, and because I know so much about this movie, um, I looked it up. In fact, did you know? That the whole sexy sax man still believe Tim Capello part was not scripted in the movie, obviously. But when they were filming, Joel Schumacher, being, you know, a uh, a dude that likes dudes, saw this majestic man on stage. And he was a fan of pro wrestling. Now, not of pro wrestlers. Like, I don't think he liked pro wrestling. I just think he liked the, the beach body look of, you know, dudes just, you know, jacked to shit and uh he saw tim capello and he said you know what you know what this movie needs we can cut out some of the other parts let's throw the scene in so i thought i should end it on this so uh from all of us at and i say all of us i mean me and elijah at the knife party thank you for listening Remember to like, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff um, at patreon.com slash knife party if you want to spend a dollar and get all this shit free and actually support, you know me. Uh, email me at knifepartypod at yahoo.com. Be kind. Rewind. <laughs>